The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com liars. Reaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back this week to another episode of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. It is always an honor to be with you. If this is your first time listening, I hope you find yourself listening to a voice that not only you find to be a voice of reason, but a long-needed voice of clarity uh, that uh, is unafraid to take on the issues that the media really have completely avoided. This is the place that we, I try to bridge the divide between the land of Islamism, Muslim theocracy, that's still in the 13th century, and the land of the West, of freedom, of liberty, of religious freedom, freedom of speech. All of these issues are important, but front and center in this war of ideologies. I think the most important war in the 21st century is how we Muslims come to terms with modernity. Week to week I find in each of these segments a few subjects to share with you that I think are not only part of the front news and media around the world, but I think can help us understand what our strategy should be. I come to you as the humble son of Syrian immigrants and and uh, have realized that I could practice my faith more freely here in America than I could anywhere else in the world. I want to, this week, get back to one of the issues that um, I touched on a few weeks ago, and that was what's happening with French Muslims. Now, the reason I want to get to this is... I talked to you last time about the speech that President Macron had about the need for Islam to reform, the need to work with reformist Muslims, and the need for Muslims to begin to accept the social contract of what it means to be French. Now, for those of you that know me, know that I come to this. I come to this debate as somebody who not only loves my faith, but really believes that the American experiment of secularism which isn't exactly secularism. Americans' freedom is about the first freedom, religious liberty, against theocracy. So there is a separation of church and state. There is that Jeffersonian wall of separation, but there is no freedom from religion. It's freedom of religion. So that is, in many ways, a, a uniquely American construct. And there are some, I think, radical organizations like Freedom From Religion, which actually wants us to suppress our public displays of faith. But uh, listen, I, I one of the core reasons I love this country is not only its people, it's not only its constitution, but it is this pride in faith, pride in a country being under God and having the underpinnings of a moral Judeo-Christian and I believe Judeo-Christian Islamic society. Now, 
having said that, I, I was just taken aback by, and I happened to find this piece in the Gulf News, which is a Islamist publication, a publication put out uh, by uh, the Middle Eastern governments to basically apologize for a lot of their policies. Now, who was this written by? It was written by a fellow from the Center for Ethics and Public Policy, or the Ethics and Public Policy Center, Pascal Emmanuel Gobri, Paris-based writer, a fellow at the EPPC. The EPPC, as you all know, is a conservative Washington, D.C.-based think tank with obviously fellows, I guess, based in Paris. This one's based in Paris. He's written in Forbes, Atlantic, Commentary, Daily Beast, Federalist, etc. So he seems to have some conservative credentials. Well, he wrote a piece this week that basically equated, and it was published in the Middle East. So I can tell you anything published by Middle Eastern organizations and governments is not going to be anything particularly dangerous to their establishment, to their way of life. Well, Gobi writes this piece in Gulf News. Actually, I think it was originally published um, in either the week or, or one of the American publications. And he said, when France's National Assembly passed a rule last month banning members of parliament from wearing or displaying religious symbols, many shrugged that it was in keeping with the country's long tradition of strict state secularism. Instead, the ban or the radical thinking behind it, according to Gobri, has become a major obstacle to peacefully integrating immigrant communities. So he then goes on, through modern French political history, including after the 1905 law establishing the separation of church and state, which gets us to exactly, I think, the more, and I can't tell you how important this issue is. Our organization, the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, is founded on the separation of mosque and state. We believe that that separation is the antidote to the threat of political Islam, Islamism, Islamic State identity. So he said, after this law in 1905 in France, members of the French National Assembly have displayed religious assemblies, have displayed religious symbols. Indeed, though, much of that history, it never occurred to anyone that this could contradict secularism in any way. He said the 1905 law ended public subsidies for religious institutions, but instituted no legal or cultural rule against public expression of religious values. So why are we told differently now? And his answer? Well, millions of Muslims coming into the West, coming into France, immigrating, and it's only a novel understanding of secularism has thus emerged. The myth that state secularism has always mandated such rigid interpretations is convenient. So if there are a problem with French Muslims in France, they can be blamed on the reluctance to embrace sacred rule of secularism. And then he goes on to talk about Charlie Hebdo and others. And he said, the secularist mantra stifles public debate and prevents progress on the other dimensions, whether socioeconomic or cultural. And then he goes on to say Macron is absent. I guess he missed the speech that Macron gave last week. And I'm no apologist for Macron, but... The, the, the reality is here is a conservative think tank has it all wrong. Has it all wrong. Yes, there is problems. And I have written with my Sikh friends and others about the pathology of the laicite policies, which are hyper-secular and can be a major roadblock and obstacle to the integration of Muslim communities against the Islamists. 
But that argument in a vacuum where you don't even mention Islamism, where this peace, where the, the, the conversation pretends Islamism doesn't exist, pretends Islam is a, is a beautiful religion compatible with liberty and has no problems, which he doesn't even talk about, is complete intellectual malpractice. It is intellectual malpractice of the worst kind for a conservative who believes in Jeffersonian, Madisonian liberty, who believes in the liberty of Locke, of all of the existential Enlightenment thinkers, to write a piece that now is republished in Middle Eastern Islamist publications because it speaks ill of France, it talks about Islamic bigotry, it talks about Islamophobia, now it doesn't use that term, but bottom line is that's what Gobri's talking about. And it does the job of the Islamists, which is to blame everything on the West and their society. So the Muslims are not integrating because of the hyper-secularism of France. Again, just like terrorism is a symptom, there are symptoms that might prevent some of the treatment, but the core disease is Islamism. So, if you misdiagnose the core disease, you will avoid the most important treatment. If you misdiagnose the core disease, you will avoid the most important treatment. And that is so important. Because in this piece that Gulf News then republished, readers are left are left thinking that France is on the way to to profound bigotry because of its hypersecularism, because of its reaction or equal and opposite reaction to the Muslims coming in. I think reestablishing French identity is important. I think reestablishing the underpinnings of secularism and how they reject theocracy is important. But you cannot have that conversation in a vacuum. You must have that conversation along with an equal discussion of the pathology and the incompatibility of Islamism. And that's what Gobri doesn't do. When we come back, I want to get a little deeper into what conservatives should be doing. What should the Centers for the Ethics, like the Ethics and Public Policy Center, be writing about the, the, the French hyper-secularism and others that would make more sense than this deeply anti-Western apologetic anti-secularism apologetic that actually feeds into the Islamist narrative. This is Zudi Jasser, and I'll be right back. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. The Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. Look how far that party has come. The Democrat Party since 1963, when JFK died. It's unbelievable. It's unrecognizable. The Democrat Party has more in common now with the Communist Party than they do with JFK. Pat Gray. Weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another segment of Reform This. We were talking last segment, we were talking about what's happening in France and how now the conservatives in America, the conservatives in the West, Gobri writes for the Washington-based Ethics and Public Policy Center, but 
while this piece appeared in the week, it appeared in Washington Post, it appeared in Gulf News. These writers are missing, missing the most important element of what we're fighting. Conservatism is about the defense of individual religious liberty against the government, against the theocrats, for individual liberty, individual choice, for family values, unencumbered by intervention from government. So I understand the hyper-secularism uh, uh, dismay where the, the secularism of Europe where the church-going rate is somewhere between 10 and 20% for most of their countries, and in the United States it's upwards of over 60%. Yes, we have a problem, and thank God I'm so blessed that my family moved to America and not to one of the European countries. While they are free in democracies, American form of liberty, with the first liberty being religious freedom to me, is essential to who I am as an American. And yet, having said that, conservatives have to be careful, just as leftists and liberals do in America, from always focusing, focusing pathologically on the left being the problem, on the, on the polarization of Western politics, of left versus right or right versus left, instead of focusing on the global problem, which is related to Islamism. So for all the foibles and the debates about how secular or not secular, how much empowerment to give religious lobbies or not, how much public displays of faith to have or not, while I would fall on the side of erring on the side of public displays of faith, but against government-enforced religious ideas and religious law, which I think is one of the core principles of America, I do believe that at this time in history, we need to harness and marshal our resources against Islamic theocracy. And to do that, the underpinnings of a society based on religious liberty is central to that. It is central to that. So we need every intellectual to understand and not commit the malpractice that Gobri did here in this piece that was published all over the all over the publications in the West and in the Middle East last week at Gulf News and elsewhere where basically they told folks that the problem the boogeyman is French secularism What's the solution? He ends his piece by saying, for a president, talking about Macron, for a president elected on the promise that he would cut through the outworn pieties of French politics, a more inclusive ethos and ending the secularist myth should be a top item on the list. Okay. So what better, what better way to do it than to, than to endorse religious liberty, respect for religious freedom, for Muslims and non-Muslims, especially against the real threat of political Islam and its identity movement and its, 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 its Islamist governments, from the AKP in Turkey to Iranian theocracy, Saudi Wahhabis, Pakistani Diobandis, and on, all over the world. But no, not any mention is made of that. And the reflection of every country's identity against what it is not is important to make. And Gabri does not do that. So I, I, I beg my fellow conservatives and every American and everyone listening to this podcast 
to think about what you're arguing. We are not, as religious, if you're an Orthodox or a, a strong believer in your faith and you, you reject this, this anti-religious secularism, such as we see in America with the Bill Mars of the world, fine. They have a right to believe that. I disagree with them. I don't believe that it's healthy for society to openly openly only lift up those voices that reject God and to smother those who don't. I think there should be equality of ideas and equality in debate in public place for all voices, for or against God, for, for the free practice of faith, the constructions of church, synagogues, or no places of faith. But to say that somehow the defense of Muslim religious freedom will solve the problem of radical Islamism and the threat of immigrants is beyond ignorant. It is suicidal. The problem of Islamic immigration is about the Islamists. The rate of Islamist ideas has yet to be studied, but studies of election outcomes in Egypt and elsewhere in Turkey with the AKP running show that their numbers can be anywhere as low as 25, 20%, all the way up to 40, 45, if not 50% of the population. So Islamism, no different than Christian theocracy was before the American Revolution and all the revolutions in Europe, is the major threat. So neither Macron was correct in some of the avenues of reformation he talked about. He should not necessarily embrace the imams that are only anti-terror, but embrace those that openly reject Islamism. And as Prime Minister Cameron in London, in the UK, talked about years ago, he said in 2011 in his speech in Munich, we need a muscular liberalism. That's what I think as a conservative, and I think liberals should join us in this idea. But when I see conservative writers reject secularism and do so under the altar of of, of protecting Muslims from bigotry and from, from minority politics, I would tell you that that's intellectual malpractice. Yes, bigotry is growing, and he cites in his piece here, 73% of respondents in France said they had a negative view of Islam. 90% said wearing the headscarf was incompatible with life in French society. 63% thought praying five times a day was also incompatible. Okay, yes, I get it. Those are all ideas that are problematic. But how do you fix that? The problem's not the headscarf. The problem is the Islamist movements associated with the headscarf. The problem is not the prayer, but the Salafism, the, the, the ultra-Orthodoxy associated with those who insist on praying in the streets of Paris instead of praying in their mosques, praying in the parks or wherever at home. It's a difference. There's moderation and celebration of faith versus extremism. We have a saying that I've told you here on this podcast before. Are the Muslims that we work with embrace the society, are they French who happen to be Muslim or Muslims who demand to be French? It's a big difference. They come into the society demanding rights as Muslims, not as French. We say in America, are we Americans that happen to be Muslim or Muslims who demand to be American? Again, the second part is a victim-minded complex. The first is a humble American one that celebrates the ability 
to be free, to be religious, to be pious, and to be Muslim. So I can't tell you how important this issue is. We need to come together as Americans, as French, as Germans in each of our countries. But I think the conservative movement needs to begin to look at how to articulate this. Because if we simply use Muslims as a foil to defend religious minority rights, you're going to ignore and in fact empower the Islamists within to continue to dominate our society that as if the fundamentalists who have the observancy of the faith around their head, around their neck, around their body, in their mosques, wherever it might be, that they somehow are the penultimate Muslims while those of us who are humbly Muslim at home and in our morality and in our belief system and our character and our integrity, that somehow those Muslims are lesser Muslims because we're not as publicly flailing about our faith. So I think conservatives need to revisit that. Islam is in that time in history in which it's coming to battle with those who seek to hijack and dominate the public place with Islamic identity and marginalize the business community, the reason-based intellectuals. And even, I'm so surprised, even the conservatives are rejecting us in the name of one-upsmanship against the secularists that have now been having this debate against the social conservatives, if you will, in America, that I might agree with on many things, but yet have forgotten what context American Islam, global Islam is in, in this time in history compared to Western religions. This is Udi Jasser. Be right back on Reform This. Breaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. So, to shift gears a little bit, for too long, I think America has been ignoring Turkey. Why do I say that? We've talked about so many different threats. The largest mosque recently built in America being an outpost for the uh, Turkish government. Uh, now, uh, obviously, many of the American Turks going there uh, would... Uh, deny that, but the bottom line is: is uh, let's see them give sermons from the Maryland tens of millions of dollar mosque funded by the Turkish government. Let's see them give sermons against Erdogan. Let's see them give sermons against the AKP, the Islamic Muslim Brotherhood Party of the Turkish people. So, what's going on? I, I think there was a recent incident in which Recep Erdogan. The Turkish president was on stage, and in that speech, as reported by Clarion Project and a number of others, it was actually reported by the BBC initially, in which the BBC reporter notes, uh, her name is uh, Anur Arem, uh, he notes that it's not the first time that Mr. Erdogan's comments on martyrdom have caused controversy in Turkey, where every soldier or police officer killed on duty is considered a martyr. So I'm going to give you a little anecdote of what the BBC reporter was reporting on 
how a little girl was pulled up on stage. And this is what happened. Erdogan, and, and wait, before I get to the story, this is important because as you understand how the head of an Islamist party that claims to be anti-ISIS, that claims to be anti-terrorism, that claims to be moderate and a, a, a appropriate partner in NATO, which it's not, that part and parcel of an Islamist identity in government and in the party is then to radicalize jihadis to make into jihadists every military component of their society. And this runs at the central nervous system of the war we're in, which is not only the state identity, that once you mix the state identity with Islamic identity, the military then has to perform jihads. The minorities then have the rights at the behest of the majority. They become a protected class because they can't join the majority. They can't become in the military because they are protected. The me. The mean. That's the whole word. The me is protected. Now, maybe in the 10th or 9th century, you can find an apologetic in which there were no other societies like that. So therefore, a protected minority was better than a tortured abused or oppressed minority but i still think obviously there's some oppression involved there but now in a postmodern world in a world that understands american freedom western liberty universal human rights the concept of dhimmi is is absurd we'll get back to the military jihad question in a second but erdogan just a few days ago he pulls a six-year-old girl up to stage as he's speaking to a crowd. And he said, as she cried in her tears, if she, if this girl is martyred, so I guess in a war, they'll lay a flag on her, God willing. Erdogan was speaking at a televised conference of the Islamist AK party. He pulled the stunned girl onto stage to make the remarks while supporters yelled, Chief, take us to Afrin. Chief, take us to Afrin. Afrin is the place in Syria, where the war is happening that appears to pit Turkish supporters, radical Islamist supporters against the Kurds. It's one of the fronts in the battle against the Kurds. Turkey's most recent incursion into Syria has been to take the war against the Kurds there so that they never allow them to set up a Kurdistan. This is an old multi-multi-generational conflict. So, Erdogan sees this girl sobbing and he says, look what you have here. Girl, what are you doing here? We have our maroon bonnets here. Our maroon berets never cry. He then continued saying, she has a Turkish flag in her pocket too. I know if she's martyred, they'll lay a flag on her, God willing. She's ready for everything, isn't she? She answers, yes. She answers, yes, that she'd be martyred and want a flag laid on her. So he married national identity to Islamist martyrdom, killing other Sunni Muslims, Kurds, in a religious war. The BBC reporter said that Mr. Erdogan's opponents criticized him for, for using the funerals of dead soldiers and children for highly politicized speeches. They also say his own sons evaded military service but his supporters are not influenced. 
Now, his criticism was pretty significant. Storms on Twitter read, It's a shame. It's very bad. She's just a child. You don't wish her dead, and you don't say God willing for that. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the ideology that's radicalizing our masses. Believe me, we, we, we dance on the head of a pin in the West trying to say, how do we stop the ISIS guys from getting into the heads of our young children? How do we do that? I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, it's not ISIS that's getting into the heads alone. Our kids... All of these masses from Bangladeshi immigrants, as we saw, to Uzbeki immigrants, Afghani immigrants, Saudi, Egyptian, Yemeni. Every country has youth that we're seeing radicalized here in the West. How is that? Well, it's the Islamism, stupid. As we see here, presidents of countries with massive militaries and multi-billion trillion dollar budgets are glorifying the martyrdom of six-year-old girls. How is Erdogan any different from Palestinian media that glorifies the martyrdom of Hamas families and then rewards the survivors with scholarships and, and funding? How is that any different? So what's radicalizing our youth? All of the propaganda machines of all of these governments. And you wonder what is our... What we're missing in the information ops? I'm sorry, it's not just our American Islamic Forum for Democracy and all the Muslim reform movement that needs to create social media platforms against Al-Qaeda, the Muslim Brotherhood, and ISIS. It's the Turkish government. It's the AKP party. Huge movements of now that have become not only Islamist ideologues, but a cult that worships Erdogan as he teaches his population that the identity of being Turkish and belonging to their society means martyrdom, that jihad is not only a radicalization of the military component of their society, but jihad is an obligation of every Muslim citizen from the time they leave the womb of their mother to the time they enter the soil in death. How do you fight that? The only way to end jihad is to end the Islamic State identity. As long as you end the Islamic State identity, the AKP parties of the world disappear. The Erdogans of the world lose their oxygen. No more mosques worth tens of millions will be built by AKPs if we take away the Islamist identity. But that's going to need large movements, which we not only ridicule the absurdity and, and, and child abuse involved in manipulating the mindset of a six-year-old in front of millions of Turks and Westerners and others that would be seeing this, but in glorifying the independent thought of Muslim youth against their uh, autocrats, against their oppressors and for their own individual thought so that they aren't subjects or slaves of the jihadist or the Islamist movement. Another thing I want to talk to you about is free markets. The reason these Islamist ideas remained unchallenged is the absence of free markets. Sure, the Turks have successful economic endeavors and uh, have in some ways a, a vibrant economy. But why is it that every, basically every other Islamist government uh, 
has no creativity, has no free market changes. We've been beginning to meet with some chambers of commerce, not only here locally, but across the West, and we're finding that there's a hunger, there's a thirst for taking the opportunity of the Arab awakening and beginning to do grassroots movements for free markets. When we come back, let's continue to talk a little bit about free markets, capitalism, and how that might be the nail, the first nail in the coffin of political Islam. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc. Isn't that called Anglo-Saxon too? Um, sure, okay. Do I have it wrong? Whatever you want to, whatever you want to call. It. I have it wrong. You guys are giving me that oh, stupid look that I got it wrong. You want me to say it again? What? Is it Anglo-Saxon? <laughs> sure. What okay. do you want? Sure. People? Oh, I hate this so much. Because I know I have it at least half right. What is it? Which part do you have right? The Take Saxon. A guess. Okay. <laughs> then get the other part. Figure it out. The morning blaze, weekday morning, six to nine Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to the last segment this week of Reform This. I want to end this week talking about a subject dear, dear to my heart, which is free markets. One of the other cornerstones, I think, of American success, American leadership in the planet as the leaders of the free world is free markets, is capitalism. Sure, the Islamists, the communists, the, the, the enemies of America, enemies of freedom have always demonized capitalism as, as godless, as uh, uh, folks who worship the almighty dollar. Uh, but I believe, as, as a God-fearing Muslim, as anyone who fears God, that tempered with a, a focus, a compass, where due north is to God and to morality, that there is no better system, no better economic system on the planet than capitalism and free markets. Markets that reward success, reward products that are good, that have high quality, that reward uh, uniqueness, creativity, and intelligence. Things that are bad only succeed when the government subsidizes them and through antitrust mechanisms marginalizes its competition. And I've always said that the best thing, even though we've seen hundreds if not millions of deaths since the Arab awakening started, that that was the best thing that's happened in the Middle East in hundreds of years, hundreds. Why? Because finally, you began to have people wanting to take back their economic freedom. That for all the problems you and I have spoken about, regarding Islamists and the threat of radicalization and the monarchs and the autocrats, I'll remind you, the Arab awakening started with a little man in a food cart who set himself on fire, self-immolated, because he did not want to pay his taxes. Now, obviously the suicide part is not only hyperbolic, but immoral, but the man had reached the end of wanting to hand over through force and in slavery his work product to the government. So instead he killed himself. 
He burned himself, and that went viral and began the marches on the streets of Tunisia, which spread to Egypt, which spread to Syria, Yemen, Libya, and across the Middle East. And that wasn't the beginning. We believe it began in 2009 with the Green Revolution in Iran. But having said that, it was about economic independence. It was about economic freedom. So we've started a project, our American Islamic Forum for Democracy. We are, we're, and why did it take us so long? Well, I think on, on one aspect about free markets, I think it's related to the fact that one of the hardest and most skittish communities to get involved in, in the debate of cultural, theopolitical bantering is the business community because they want to be able to sell their product to everyone and not be marginalized. But even in the United States, we see the power of boycotts. Now, with the whole gun issue, look at, look at what's happening with simple discount programs becoming the political heyday for making a statement against the NRA. And is that even the solution? I'm not even going to weigh in on this program about what my beliefs are, but you can guess what they are as the son of Syrian immigrants who came from a society where the absence of a Second Amendment has meant the death of scores from governmental oppression. But I will tell you that our new project... We look to work closely, arm in arm, with chambers of commerce across the country. That the relationship, I think, between the business communities with Muslims who are not part of the fundamentalist theocracy that has put their flag in the United States soil, but rather with American Muslims that are all about individual freedom, that are about viralizing the ideas of apps and, and technology, because look at the technology that transformed the Middle East in the Arab Awakening. That technology was Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. That technology was a Western technology. Think for a second. Which products that you use today or even know of, you can even come up with in your mind, were created by thinkers in Egypt, in Saudi Arabia, or Iran, or Pakistan, or Syria? Which products that you use today that are on your table, your apps? Not too many. Do you think it's because these people are not brilliant? They're brilliant. But the government controls what they come up with, what they can disseminate, what they can sell, what they can buy. It's all controlled. And thus, anything they may have on their boards inside their homes can never be actually materialized into a product or tested because the government would own it and thus they have no incentive to push it. And if they even do push it, they end up in jail. And yet we are dizzied by the 2030 programs of ingenuity that MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the young crown prince who's looked upon as a modernizer, while he dizzies us with his plans and uh, his marginalization of some of the old powers. He's just talking about continuing to consolidate the power, the economic power of the billions that the Saudi royal family has, which it stole from the people of Saudi Arabia. And especially, it's not based on creativity. Their success is based on natural resources. So a government which has all of its massive wealth accumulated 
from natural resource and not from human creativity is not one that should be respected. Because as an American, I've come to learn that our government gets in the way of growth and free markets. While it has a, 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 a certain necessity for rule of law, for national defense, and a few other necessities that we should have organized government, at the end of the day, the most successful products have not ever come from the United States government or any government. They've come from free markets, Fortune 500 companies, from small companies, mom and pop shops that have then grown to become huge successes. So work with your local business communities. Remind them, and this is something else, is that now that I've given you the pitch for free markets and why it's important to then be married to an Islamist an anti-Islamist revolution, we're also reminded that the complicity of major companies, defense contractors, oil companies, Apple, Google, the complicity of companies like that, not necessarily Apple, I'm still doing some research on that, but Google and and major technology companies, Uber, with the Saudi regime, the Egyptian regime, the Turkish regime. Look at Turkish Air and, and what they did to buy Dr. Oz, to have ads on during our Super Bowl, all the while their president, as I said in the last segment, is glorifying child suicide and martyrdom. There's a problem there. Turkish Air is a is a is a is a corporate arm of the AKP regime. Might be democratically elected, but it certainly isn't respectful of universal human rights. It's theocratic, and yet we sold them money. We sold them time because they had the money during our Super Bowl. That complicity of Western free corporations with Islamist governments is part of the reason reformers don't have a voice. We get marginalized by the money talks and people walk of major companies with these governments. Now, I still think there's that undergirding of software companies that are helping the revolutions in Iran bypass the firewalls and other and other examples of truly moral companies and i think many of them do exist and do have the strength of character to help revolutions but you can't deny when president trump signs a 150 billion dollar arms deal with saudi arabia that a lot of the free market companies that make arms and jets for our our own government are going to then sell it and also get what I think is blood-tinged money from the Saudis and other regimes that are our supposed allies. So it's messy. But so far, I think they've gone to the highest bidder because they haven't seen the voice of American Muslims that, you know, like the, the Macy's issue I talked to you about a couple weeks ago. They see Muslims as the hijab-wearing fencer. Not the gold medal winning Delilah Muhammad, who didn't wear the hijab, but didn't wear her Islamic identity on her sleeve either. So we need to educate corporate America, 
that American Muslims are not monolithic. American Muslims are not about an Islamist identity. American Muslims need the support of civil society, of think tanks, of interfaith organizations, of corporate America to help build that identity that rejects the theocracy, no different than America rejected theocracy when it was founded. Join me in building free market ideas. Join me. Join the American Islamic Forum and the Muslim Reform Movement in educating corporate America across the chambers of commerce from state to state that only working with the lowest hanging fruit Muslim groups in your states or in your country is going to marginalize the real free market thinkers that are going to be your longest and your most rewarding allies in your battles for freedom and free markets. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This, and I'll see you next week. God bless. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.